Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. On this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place and provide inspiration for others. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires everyone. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet here. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and today I'm speaking with the Reverend Dr. Maidstone Malenga, who got his start in journalism, but along the way, followed the call to ministry as a pastor in the United Methodist Church. After serving appointments in both the local church and larger denominational leadership positions, Maidstone now serves as Director of Communications for the Council of Bishops of the United Methodist Church. He holds a doctorate and graduate degrees in divinity, computer-mediated communication, Education and journalism from colleges in Zambia, Michigan, and New York. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast, Maidstone. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm going to jump in and ask probably the most controversial question of the conversation, so we'll get it out of the way. But I wanted to start by talking about how the United Methodist Church recently held a worldwide vote on gay marriage and LGBTQ clergy. Can you bring us up to speed on where things stand and what reactions you fielded after this vote? As you know, uh, the United Methodist Church, as many of the larger denominations, are facing the question of um, including lays and gays, lays and gays, lesbians and gays <laughs> in uh, full ministry. Yes. Uh, but the, and our denomination for a long time, since 1972, has always had a provision that said homosexuality was not compatible mm-hmm. with Christian teachings. Okay. And every four years, the question has come up before the Delegates to the General Conference. This year, we held a special session of the General Conference in St. Louis, and the whole purpose of this General Conference was to address this question again. Should the United Methodist Church be inclusive to allow our friends in the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. to be not only be full members of the church, they are full members of the church. The question was, should they be ordained as ministers okay. in the church? Okay. And should our churches be used to celebrate same gender marriages? Okay. Mm-hmm. So we brought together um, by our constitution about 864 delegates from all over the world, from okay. all the countries where the United Methodist Church is present. Okay. And after much debate, the delegate decided to uphold what is still our policy, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, with, in a very tight vote. Oh. So it really caused, course, it caused a divide, it sounds like, in the church a little bit, Yes. Yeah, because um, there were there are strong uh, supporters of uh, on both sides. Yes, mm-hmm. there are those that strongly feel that uh, uh, homosexuality is not compatible with Christian teachings, and there are others who say no. Mm-hmm. God calls everyone mm-hmm. to be part of God's church. Absolutely. 
So uh, I think at this meeting, we at this conference, there had been hope that the church could move slightly uh, to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. So when the vote turned out, not only was it uh, continuing the policy, but also approved legislation to tighten some of the rules. Mm -hmm. So it brought more division uh, than I have seen before. So as the chief communicator for the church, how have you had to navigate those waters, um, both externally with, with journalists and others in the community coming to you and saying, you know, what can you say about this? But within the church, um, because I know that the United Methodist Church is a very open-minded and welcoming church. And so how are you as the, the communicator um, trying to bring people together and sort of message that so that everybody does feel welcome and, and heard? And that's been my um, main um, duty as the Director of Communication for the Council of Bishops. These are over 125 bishops throughout mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. And these are the people who lead the church and have to go back to the areas and speak to the people. Sure. So our message has been that the United Methodist Church loves each and every one of God's children. Mm-hmm. And our message has been that regardless of the vote that was taken, mm -hmm. everybody's welcome to be part of the church. And that's why our church provides ways and uh, means in which to challenge decisions of, uh, the, of, of, of the church. That mm -hmm. even after this decision was made, several petitions have been prepared Mm -hmm. to be written for the 2020 General Conference that's coming up in May next year. Okay. But even before that, in October, our highest court, called the Judicial Council, mm -hmm. will be meeting to hear petitions and uh, questions from the General Church. Some of them were questioning how that decision was made sure. and uh, whether it, it is in line with our constitution, which is open and welcoming to all of God's children. Sure, sure. So, um, well, thank you for that update. I, I'm so excited to hear from you directly, and I'm sure it has not been an easy path to be the one leading the messaging on such a, a hot topic. Um, so let's pivot away from that a little bit. And I, I, you have such a, a varied background um, yourself in the journey that you've followed um, in your career. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, some of um, you know, sort of your highlights, the the positions you've held that have been most inspiring to you along the way? Well, um, as you noted in my bio, mm -hmm. I worked for close to 17 years in journalism in various positions, mm -hmm. from reporter to copy editor to a news editor, international editor. Mm -hmm. uh, so some of the more exciting position in journalism before I answered the call to uh, ordained ministry was working in newsrooms where I helped to bring the world closer. Mm -hmm. Like for example, when I worked in uh, uh, one of my places I loved so much, Port Huron in uh, mm -hmm. Michigan, mm -hmm. um, I was given a chance to write a column which we called From a Distance where I looked at events that were happening throughout the world and then bringing them home to Port Huron and say, 
what does this mean to the people in Port Huron? Mm-hmm. Is this major international event happening across the world? Right. Does it have any impact on the people of uh, Port Huron? Sure. And doing that kind of work was inspiring mm-hmm. um, because not only was I trying to tell everybody that regardless of where you live in the world, mm-hmm. we are one. Yes. And events in one part of the world will sometimes, and in other words, even tremendously affect people who are thousands of miles away. Sure, sure. So doing that kind of work was inspiring. Hmm. And then when I uh, moved to Rochester, New York, and I was a international editor, mm-hmm. I was, uh, of course, I was one of the editors on the desk when that dreadful day happened, September 11th. Mm-hmm. And, but being part of the team that was putting together a report that was not only explaining what was happening, but showing the impact of how such events would change our lives forever. And sure. as you know, sure. 9-11 has changed our lives completely. Yes. Um, yes. Of course, there's been a lot of hatred on uh, that has been generated. Yes. But uh, our task then was to explain to our readers in Rochester, New York, that the world is one place. Yeah. We are one, and we cannot isolate or insulate ourselves from the events that happen in the rest of the world. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, so many faith traditions talk about how if you can see that God is in each person, um, you can't hate them. You find that that divine spark in every creation, and that um, helps you to find common ground. And I, I wonder... Exactly. Yeah, I wonder as a, a faith-based communicator how you've um, used your position to communicate ways that different faiths have common ground, that people in different communities can find similarities. You know, has that been part of your pursuit as a communicator? Yeah, in fact, uh, the Council of Bishops um, has a portfolio called Ecumenical Relationship. Mm-hmm. Part of the work of the bishops mm-hmm. is to work with other faith organizations, mm-hmm. uh, work in, uh, across uh, different faiths. So we have interfaith relationships and we have ecumenical relationships. So we have relationships with other Christian denominations uh-huh. trying to show that we are all working for God's purpose. Sure. And then working with other religions uh, or that other, uh, other faiths Traditions that may not be Christian. We've worked with the Muslims. We've worked with the Hindus. In fact, uh, yesterday there was an event downstairs here in Washington at our United Methodist building uh-huh. where there was um, a united call by leaders of different faiths uh-huh. calling for help for immigrants oh, yeah. throughout the world. Not only those that are coming from the southern border, sure. but we forget about the immigrants in Europe yeah. We forget about the immigrants that are uh, in in Europe uh, in Asia. Right. So, working together with other faith organizations, we try to show that together we actually can solve more problems than if we work on our own. Absolutely. In fact, as a communicator, I believe if you, regardless of your faith tradition, if you see the person you're working 
with as the face of your God, mm-hmm. whoever your God is. Yeah. If you see the person as your God, you would not harm them. Right. You do everything to help them. Absolutely. It's a beautiful notion and it's um it's an inspiring way to approach your position and and that's something I wanted to ask you about is that you've had you know extensive experience in communications um as a journalist and of course in um in denominational communications but you're also an ordained um minister and so yes. I'd I'd love to hear a little bit about how those roles dovetail or inform one another um it, you know some people might think that's a huge leap to go from one to the other but um I'm wondering where they might intersect or interweave in some way I'd love to hear a little bit about you know what led you to take on both roles I see it as this way um in journalism we tell the story. Sometimes we, we just say, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. But in religion and being a pastor, I told the story of God's love and then explained to them or to whoever was in my congregation what they can do about that love. Mm-hmm. At the core of all this is storytelling. Yes. So in journalism, we told the story maybe from a different perspective, maybe from a different angle. But when I answered the call to attend the ministry, when I finally resisted the call to become a pastor, I realized that if I just told the story mm-hmm. and explained the story of love, that is the main theme of uh, any religion, mm-hmm. uh, but predominant with uh, Christianity, God's love, Christ's love, the prominent theme in life, if you tell that story well, you change lives. Yeah. And sometimes telling the story, in journalism, some, we told the story by writing, editing um, uh, pictures and videos. Mm-hmm. But sometimes in when I was a pastor in a local church, I realized that sometimes telling the story is just being there. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody calls you and say they're, their uncle is in hospital and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. People think ministers always know what to do. Sometimes we don't. But one thing I learned early in my um, ministerial work is that you don't have to know everything. Mm-hmm. Just be there mm-hmm. and love the people. Mm-hmm. And so there have been times when I went to visit somebody in a hospital or, or presiding over a funeral and I didn't even thought I knew what to say. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, after you show God's love, people appreciate that you have loved them even at the time of a tragic time like a funeral. So mm-hmm. to me, the two careers are not really different. Mm-hmm. It's about telling the story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you let the people tell their story. Sometimes you help them with their story. Mm. Sometimes you tell the story by just being there. Mm. I love that. That's really beautiful. You know, we, um, in our business, um, we focus on storytelling as the way to market uh, business or nonprofit. And so we mm. work with a lot of companies and organizations to um, articulate which words and which concepts need to be told consistently through all their communication channels. 
And I wonder what it is about story that is so connecting um, that it just, I mean, it works. When we do this with companies and nonprofits, we it always works because when you get to the humans behind the work you do um, or the inspiration that led to the starting of a company or something like that, um, it, it, it makes it more relatable and accessible for people. And so then it's not just a transaction. It's, it's a connection. Um, we always talk about mutual benefit. You know, it's not just what's in it for the organization, but what's in it for the recipient as well. Um, so I just wonder what, what your thoughts are about why story is so powerful a medium um, to, to move things along, to connect people, to, to make progress, really. Because like you said, I think once you tell a story, every story has a human aspect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is one thing to say 17 bicycles were donated to this rural village. Mm -hmm. But if you go and tell about how this bicycle is going to help this farmer who could hardly get to see his other relatives Mm -hmm. and it will help take his son to school, Mm -hmm. you start seeing the impact of what would have been a transaction, a dry transaction. So I think the power in the story is that it makes both the storyteller and the listener relate to each other Mm -hmm. because they start seeing the human aspect of life in in the story, regardless of what the story is. Mm -hmm. I think at core as human beings, we love to share what's happening with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that desire to relate to each other is more effective and more prominent when we share it through stories. Sure, sure. So on this podcast, um, we talk about meaning and purpose, you know, how people can find meaning in their work and, and uh, build purpose in their lives. I wonder um, what your advice might be to our listeners for how they discover their meaning or their purpose um, or how they infuse what they're doing every day with that very purpose-driven approach. The first thing I would uh, advise somebody about having a purpose in life and work is to find who they are. Mm. Who are you as a person? Like in my career, I thought my, uh, when I was a kid, I kept on saying, I want to be a journalist, and I ended up being a journalist. Uh And then I started, when I started being more involved in the church, and I started getting more satisfaction, so for example, in teaching a Sunday class, Mm -hmm. a Sunday school class, Mm -hmm. than uh, reporting on a story, I started wondering, who am I? I thought I was going to be a journalist. Uh-huh. Actually, I so I had a conversation with my mother, and she's now deceased, and there, so oh. rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And she was a school teacher. Uh-huh. So I asked her this question. I said, Mom, if I'm no longer a journalist, if I lost my purpose uh-huh. uh, in life? And she said, what? if you actually found your real purpose in life. And that was just a journey to your real purpose. Interesting. So sometimes um, we may think we know what our purpose in life Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. but something may change. So the first thing is to know what's your purpose in life. My Mm -hmm. purpose, I thought, was to tell stories uh, and actually still the purpose in in life. I tell it in a different way, Hmm. but it's still that 
I tell stories to people. I want people to be informed because I do believe that a well-informed populace is an educated group of people and an educated group of people who make intelligent decisions. Yes, true. And so, so the first thing is know your purpose. Mm-hmm. And once you or know your know who you are, mm-hmm. and once you know who you are, mm-hmm. you will know your purpose. Hmm. Interesting. And for me, each day I, I come to work saying, "What have I done to make people more knowledgeable?" Mm-hmm. Whether it's about the policies of the church, mm-hmm. whether it's about the events in the world, mm-hmm. what have I done today to make one person know something they didn't know yesterday. Hmm. Hmm. And so I tell myself I also then need to know what's happening. So I have to read a lot. I have to research a lot. And that's why my prayer every morning as a Christian is that God make me a better person today than I was yesterday. Hmm. So every day I try to say, how am I doing something better both for myself Sure. And for the fellow human being. Sure. So it's looking outside of yourself and using your talents yes. and your knowledge to help make a difference around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been such a treasure to speak with you. I have one last question I'd like to ask before we end our conversation. I'm wondering, you know, if there's... Um, one faith message that people need today, what would you say it is? I think it's love. Hmm. And and I'm not talking about this uh, artificial love like, oh, we really need to look at every person mm-hmm. as a fellow human being in the sense that they're a person like you. Mm-hmm. And if you see every person, if you can't see them as a person like you, Think of them as being somebody's mother, somebody's mm-hmm. father, or somebody's child, mm-hmm. or somebody's relative. There's always somebody who loves that person. Yeah. And, and then, as people face, of course, we know, uh, I'll tell people like that, if you see a person, if you see that person as the face of God, you, are, you have no choice but to love right. uh, that person because we are called to love God and to love fellow human beings. And, and regardless of any other faith or uh, tradition, mm-hmm. if we all focus on the fact that we are fellow human beings and we are loved in one way or the other, regardless of some of the things that people may do, mm-hmm. we will have a better world than focusing on the bad things that people do. Yes, I'm not saying we know things that other people, bad, bad things people do. Mm-hmm. But if we focus on the fact that we can love each other and people at core are loving people, mm-hmm. I think there is hope in the world. I think so too. That's a wonderful sentiment. So Maidstone Malenga from the United Methodist Church, thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Have a wonderful day. You too. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've really enjoyed being here with you today. 
You can find the Make Meaning Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'd love it if you'd share our great conversations with all your people so we can add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.